Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. And today, don't have a co-host because, again, we are going behind enemy lines. Penn State football has a game this week against the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland sits at 5-3 on the season, 2-3 in Big Ten play, of course. Uh, the two teams squared off last season in Happy Valley in uh a game that really went poorly for Penn State. Nittany Lions lost that one 35-19, really struggled with the passing attack that Maryland threw at them. And, you know, I really have no reason not to think that Maryland's not going to try and do that sort of thing again. The Terps started this year 4-0, lost three games in a row, and are coming off of a win. Last, a very hard-fought close win last week against Indiana. Nittany Lions are... 10-point favorites to win this football game, but it's in College Park. Uh, should be a uh, should be a very interesting football game to get a little bit of insight into the Terps. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to my pal Daniel Gallen over at Penn Live for the recommendation to go out, get Jacob Richmond, co-sports editor with the Diamondback, which is an independent student newspaper at the University of Maryland. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Bill. Thanks so much for having me on. Dot, thanks for joining. It's uh, it, it, Maryland's a, always a fun team for me to talk to people about, uh, in large part because, uh, if I may ask, uh, were you, you? I'm guessing you were probably what in high school in 2014. Yeah, I was just about uh, starting up high school back then. Okay, so are you aware of what happened in that football game? Uh, I'm not. I, I probably need some education on that one. Uh, before the game starts, that was Maryland's first year in the Big Ten. Uh, before the game started, uh, you know, there was a lot of going back and forth. I believe there was a pregame uh, scuffle. Uh, Seth Engel over at uh, over at the Daily Collegian uh, wrote this up. Uh, before the game started, opening coin toss, Penn State players put their hands out. Maryland players refused to shake them. Ended up being a really physical, really nasty game. Uh, Terps ended up going on to win that. And ever since then, it seemed like James Franklin has really taken joy in uh, running up the score a little bit on Maryland. But of course, last year, that didn't quite happen. So it, it's a really interesting game to me, Jacob. I don't know about you, but like, I don't want to say this is like a rivalry or anything like that, because I don't know if it's necessarily viewed that way. But it's definitely a game where both teams seem to have a little bit of bad blood towards the other. Would you would you agree with that just in your time watching and following Maryland football? Yeah, I definitely think it's starting to get there, you know, especially as, <clears throat> excuse me, especially as Maryland starts, you know, uh, asserting itself in the Big Ten a little bit more and more. I think they're looking for those rivalry games to look forward to every year. I mean, I was in the student section back in uh, back in 2019 when the Penn State fans flooded into the uh, to the almost empty student section at that point towards the end of the game, and uh, you know, the bad blood it's it's starting to boil a little bit. Yeah, and it's a. Uh... Uh, like I anticipate it's going to – this game could end up being a little bit feisty. Both of these teams coming off of pretty uh, rough spells while Maryland won last week, lost the previous three before them, and weren't particularly close football games against Iowa or Ohio State. Uh, Minnesota, they lost by 18. And, of course, Penn State has this three-game losing streak. They have last year's game that they can look back on. Uh, should be an interesting one. And, Jacob, I want to dive into the Terps a little bit. And just start with before this season started, Maryland's always a tough team to get a read on for me because I always feel like the expectations are we could do something special this year. And I do not mean this disrespectfully. Could do something special this year, do really well in the non-conference slate, and then once Big Ten play c comes around, 
things get a little bit difficult for them. What were the expectations for Maryland entering the 2021 season? And as the year has gone on, how have those expectations evolved for the better, for the worse, or whatever that might be? No, I think you're exactly right. I think that um, every year there's been something that, uh, you know, fans and media like have been ready to latch on to and say, this is what's going to be the big difference maker. And uh, I think the beginning of the season, you know, it was the idea of having a full season of Talia Tungabailoa. And, you know, with that in mind and it being Loxley's third season, I think the biggest thing that they re- reiterated was taking the next step as a program. Um, I've kind of read that um, s- since the beginning of the season as making a bowl game. Uh, and, and, you know, they won those first four games and I think people began to, you know, kind of believe, oh, this is changing. This is, you know, it could be bigger than that. Uh, you know, normally they have a non-conference loss that, you know, is underwhelming. But people, the, the past couple of years have maybe not think that would thought that would sink uh, Maryland for the rest of the season when it often did. But um, this year, I think going undefeated in uh, the non-conference, even with the three-game losing streak, coming back and beating Indiana being just one win away from a, a bowl game. I, I feel like they're exactly where they probably thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when, you know, you look at that first month of the season and yeah, there was a beatdown of uh, a Howard team that, um, you know, that's a team, the sort of team that Maryland beats every year, the FCS team, Maryland beats them, Penn State beats them, everybody beats them, beating a Kent State team out of the MAC. But they won their early non-conference game against an Illinois team that, as Penn State fans know, is impossible to play against. And they beat a West Virginia team out of the Big 12 that, you know, West Virginia is not making the playoff or anything, but that's still a win over a Power 5 opponent. It seemed to me for that first month of the season before, you know, listen, candidly, things are just going to get tough for Maryland. Iowa, Ohio State at Minnesota is a really tough stretch for any team. It seems to me like there was, like you mentioned, a legitimate level of excitement to what do you uh, to to what do you credit the fact that there was legitimately Maryland excitement for the first uh, for the first month of the season? Was it that way that they were winning, that they were undefeated or was a matter of how they are winning leads to us going, oh, this is actually a pretty good football team? I do think it actually really goes down to the the results. You know, I think some of those wins, you talk about the Illinois game, uh, and even parts of the Kent State game, they were a bit ugly. Um, And so I think when it comes down to it, the fact that they were able to get through those games, Loxley is really big on the idea of being able to correct mistakes off of a win and how much more beneficial that is for his team. Um, So I really just think those results, you know, pulling out the the win, even if they were, you know, maybe didn't play perfectly that game. Um, you know, you look at the Temple loss a few years back. That's the kind of, you know, that's where I think people were kind of lining up Illinois or lining up um, Kent State to be that potential uh, big upset at the beginning of the season that maybe doesn't off the bat seem to dismantle the team, but it could have long lasting implications. And it hasn't felt like that in particular has happened this year. So let's dive into talking about this Maryland team a little bit. And I want to start with Maryland's offense because it's legitimately a pretty solid offense. Uh, just for, uh, you know, because I forgot to do that a second earlier, Maryland number 40 team in the country in SP plus, 29th in offensive SP plus, uh, 56th in defensive SP plus. This is legitimately a pretty exciting 
offense, Jacob, and you, you know, you don't want to say, oh, it's all because of this, all because of that. That first month or so of the season, Tawia Tagovailoa was playing as well as any quarterback in the country. What was up with him in that in that first stretch of the season, and then what ended up happening, particularly during that three game winning streak, I mean three game losing streak? Apologies that uh, you know had some people tugging on their collars about the way he was playing. Yeah, you know, uh, Talia just started off as uh, I think exactly as everyone uh, everyone of Maryland was hoping that he would. Um, you know, just making smart decisions, finding his receivers. I mean, something that it's been complicated to talk about with all of the injuries to Maryland's receiving core, but every last player in that group has the ability to be explosive. And I think in the early goings, they really relied on the receivers to make plays. You know, Talia was finding players and they were open or he was finding them in a really nice pass, but then they were able to go off for big, big gains and just make a huge difference. Um, you know, as I mentioned with injuries, I think that's where things really started to slow down a little bit. You know, playing against an Iowa defense is tough already with uh, with healthy receivers, but losing Dante Demas in that second quarter and it just snowballed the entire game. You know, in that play in particular, in that kickoff when he gets injured, he fumbles the ball and Iowa's got it deep in Maryland territory. You know, you're going down multiple scores at that point when you uh, when that happens. Um, and then and you talk about the Ohio State game, the next game losing Jay Sean Jones on the second or third play from scrimmage. Um, that's another just huge hit to his receiving weapons. Um, and we'll all was said and done against Ohio state. He actually didn't have too bad of a game at the ended up throwing for about 280 yards. Um, and he was playing pretty smart throughout. It was just the defense had no answer for uh, Ohio state in that game. But uh, since then, he's really come around, and particularly against Indiana, uh, if you saw his numbers last week, 419 uh, passing yards. I believe it was the third most by a Maryland QB in a single game. He was just ready to come back in a big way. And um, I think he's had more and more time to work with some of his younger receivers that have really been able to fill in the shoes of Dante Demas and uh, and Jayshon Jones and, and get him back to where he was in those first couple games. Yeah, obviously don't need to say it. Uh, Tagovailoa, uh, older brother, played a little bit of football at the University of Alabama, was originally uh, a an Alabama player before uh, deciding to transfer to Maryland. Uh, that, that was, correct me uh, if I'm wrong, but that was almost exclusively because uh, he was at uh, Alabama when uh, Mike Locksley was their offensive coordinator, correct? I think that played okay. probably the biggest factor in it that he got to work so closely with Loxley and his uh, and his pedigree with quarterback development. Yeah, and he's what well, what well, he was the day one starter last year, correct? Yeah, he was the day okay. one starter last season. So the, you mentioned something that is really interesting to me about this uh, Maryland offense, which was that first month of the year. You know, I ended up watching a decent amount of that because I just found Talia so interesting. Their pass catchers. Dante Demas and Jay Sean Jones, fantastic football players. Both of them uh, are now hurt out for the season. Uh, one player that they do still have is former five-star Rakim Jarrett, who was magnificent. Uh, have there been other players who, have, in the absence of Demas and Jones, have been able to really stamp their mark on uh, the passing game? Or is this something that, you know, it's going to just be counting down the days until those two come back because they are just that good of players. 
No, they definitely had players come in and fill that void. You look at last week in particular, uh, the big one was Carlos Carrier, a senior who I think had a total of maybe 10 catches in his first uh, three, four years with the program. Uh, And he just absolutely went for it against Indiana. He uh, showed a level of athleticism that I don't think uh, we had had the chance to see from him too many times. You know, he actually he had a touchdown catch a little bit earlier in the season, but I think it was against uh, Howard. You know, one of those games where more of the backups are coming to play. But um, you know, he was able to, in basically complete isolation, absolutely carve up the Indiana uh, secondary. He became the go-to on a uh, on any RPO plays. He was the option up the middle of the field, and you know, he ended up breaking away on a couple plays and had you know over a hundred yards. And then another player who also came in this past week was Marcus Fleming, transferred in from Nebraska. Uh, we didn't really know how much we'd see of him, especially just because of how deep that wide receiver room seemed to be. But uh, he's really becoming a solid go-to guy for short gains. And and I, I'm personally very interested to see how he factors into the game plan in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, it does seem to me that uh, Maryland, if – things ever get a little bit hairy on offense, they could just run the throw the ball to Rakim play because that dude, he is exceptional, man. He he has this weird knack of quietly getting 80 to 90 yards in a given game. Um, you know, in that first game against Ohio State after Dante was, you know, officially out, uh, he was held pretty quiet for the most part, but then he exploded for a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, or so and he just has an knack for doing that he did that against indiana you know he he only had one or one or two gains i think over 20 yards but uh just being consistently uh strong receiving option he's 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 the real deal yeah and his uh the the best game of his career (laughs) so far came last year against the nittany lions five catches 144 yards a pair of scores i believe uh, yeah, he hasn't had another game with that many touchdowns or that many receiving yards in a game since then. But he's a, just such a talented player. He's a guy who I can't wait. Like I can wait to watch him because I think he could have some success against Penn State secondary. But I can't wait to watch his his collegiate career uh, goes along. Maryland, all you know, dating back to Stephon Diggs, Maryland always seems to have one just dude like that. I want to ask about the rushing game. It looks to me, with my untrained eye, like it's fine. Like it's not. The, it's not a unit that's going to go out there and just dominate the opposing team, control the clock, get big gains in the rain and that sort of thing. Who is that a fair read on it? And who are the players regardless who you think are uh, the real standouts of this group? Yeah, I think you're right there. It's, it's not the same Maryland running game that people have come to expect the last four or five years with players like, uh, Ty Johnson uh, and, and Jake Funk and Anthony McFarland. Uh, it's a very different group, not quite as explosive, um, but I think that there's still uh, a lot of strength there, specifically with the lead back, Town Fleet Davis. Um, him and uh, Chalon Famatau, who has kind of become the secondary running back in the place of some injuries, um, they have become very good at some of those key uh, you know, third and short moments, just g- being able to get that uh, really important first down that you, sometimes early in the season, I think they'd go right to uh, to Leon a throw, but maybe that wasn't the, the best option in hindsight. Uh, but they are, uh, I think the the way that actually really stars is actually in the passing game. You know, Taylor and uh, Challen are both really, really strong receivers. Uh, you know, once they get the ball, they have 
they're incredibly elusive. I think that the the tough part has just been with the offensive line, a, a, a group that hasn't been injured, uh, but you know, according to Loxley, has just been banged up due to the uh, the rigors of the season. Uh, and they just haven't quite been able to make the holes that you have typically come to expect from a Maryland offensive line. Well, that was kind of my last question where we talk, when uh, we get to, when we look at this offense, like it, where are the strengths, where are the weaknesses? And is it fair to say that that offensive line is a cause for concern with this Maryland football team? So I think when it comes to strengths, I'm going right to the receiving core. I mean, even the players that I haven't mentioned, players like Daryl Jones, uh, Brian Cobbs, Dino Tomlin, they're still making pretty big impacts. Uh, and then you look at uh, even the, the tight ends, Chigazim Okonkwo, uh, they've not been involved as quite as much the past couple of weeks, but uh, such a solid hand in the red zone. I think that's uh, the clear strength for Maryland this season. Uh, when it comes to weaknesses, uh, in terms of a unit, I probably would say it's the offensive line, even though I don't think that they are um, causing quite as many problems just in the sense of being unable to play and protect Talia. Talia's had some pretty solid protection this year. It's been opening up those holes for the run game, and also uh, self-inflicted penalties have been uh, a pretty big issue for that unit. Uh, last The last game against Indiana was probably one of their better performances. It, it took a whole, uh, almost a whole half for Maryland to register a penalty. But then after that, I think they had two quick false start calls and uh, just some little things that they uh, they definitely need to work on and uh, improve to do a little bit better. Uh, and then one thing I forgot to ask, how is, uh, how is Talia as a runner? Because like, I hate comparing him uh, to his brother. I think that's just like inherently really unfair to do to uh, a kid who's older brother is maybe the best college quarterback I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> but I, I know that with Tua, uh, Alabama was really smart about picking and choosing when he ran. Uh, he wasn't someone who uh, would have a play breakdown and immediately think to tuck it and run, but he would do that every now and then. Is that kind of the same thing with Talia or is he, uh, you know, on really either side of that, is he someone who's more likely to tuck it and run? Is he someone who is going to wait until the very last second to throw a pass and that'll sometimes cost him? Yeah, I think sometimes he'll he'll wait just a little bit too long. Uh, he's not done too much tuck and run very much this season. I, I'm interested to see if that becomes a bigger part of his game, assuming he comes back next season. Um, he's still a fairly elusive quarterback, and there are some plays where uh, I have thought that, oh, this is uh, sure to be a sack, and he's able to get out of it and then make a, a pass. Uh, but he has been a little hesitant to run uh, uh, very often. I don't know if that is him or if that's uh, Loxley's game plan. But um, he definitely has the ability. It's just not. It's not. It's not something that they uh, they draw up very often. Interesting. I I, I think to me, uh, you know, coming from this at this from a more Penn State perspective, I I think Penn State has a very very good defense. But I'm also worried because I think Maryland can score a little more than a little bit. I mean, you look at them. Uh, in their wins this season, 30, 62, 20, so not that great there, 37, and then last week, 38. It does seem like they've been given some trouble by some pretty good defenses, Jacob. But then I look at the other side of it, and I look at Maryland's defense, which uh, comes into this game, like I mentioned, uh, sitting at number 56 in defensive SP+. Their counting metrics uh, are not particularly great third to last in the Big Ten in total uh, yardage allowed, uh, a little higher up in 
a little more middle of the road in passing yardage allowed, second to last in rushing yardage allowed, and second to last in points per game allowed. It seems to me that Maryland's defense can be a bit porous. Just what's going on with that group? Yeah, the biggest thing for them has been injuries. It's been all across. Every unit has experienced uh, some sort of uh, setback in terms of health. Uh, some of them a bit longer than than others. You know, like uh, the interior defensive line was able to kind of get through their uh, their injury problems a little bit early on. Obviously, they'll knock on wood for that. But um, yeah, injuries have been. Uh, a real hindrance for them uh, where they're having players gone for three, four weeks. You look like a player like uh, Brandon Jennings, a really exciting linebacker who has you know only been able to play limited snaps the past game or two as he's still getting through a leg injury. Um, then you look at the secondary. Uh, I think they're currently down two cornerbacks and one st- one in Jacorian Bennett's still kind of getting back from injury. Uh, that's played a really, really big part in just how sluggish I think they've been so far. Um, and, and then, and the injuries have kept coming pretty much every week. I, you know, after the bye week they were hoping to, to get some more players back, but in the end, I think they ended up being short and be, uh, more players than they were, uh, getting back. Oof. So, well, yeah, that, that, I mean, it just seems to me like, uh, it, when I think of Maryland, I think of a defense that's usually, uh, pretty good at. I don't even know if pretty good is the word. Like they're just kind of built around making those like big plays on their defense. Like they'll give up a ton of yardage, but they'll get a couple of interceptions, a couple of forced fumbles, that sort of thing. It looks to me like they've just struggled to force any sort of turnover this season. Am I seeing this right? That they have two players who have combined to pick off four passes and they've covered one fumble in eight games this season. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, the, the, the I think they haven't had a turnover in about four games now. Um, and for a while, I think it was just – it was a bit of the other team just being able to outplay them. But this past week against Indiana, there were, I think, two clear interception opportunities that just didn't happen and, and uh, one fumble that they weren't able to get on top of. So I talked to Coach Loxley about this a little bit this week. You know, they're, they're – they have um, – they're happy that they're starting to find a couple more opportunities, but they really need to uh, to take advantage of them this week if they get if they're able to find them. Yeah, and if they are able to take advantage of things this week, who do you think are going to be the players who uh, are going to be the most instrumental in doing that? I think Tarheeb Still is the is the is the first name that that comes to me. You know, he got tested a lot against Ohio State a couple weeks back and he struggled try you know, they've had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson all over him. But then Indiana tried the same thing last week and he was pretty much shut down. He was he was really tough to uh to go against. He's a really strong young uh defensive back and uh just really exciting as a real nose for the ball. Against Minnesota, he was the one who uh blocked a field goal attempt that you know, another case where Maryland nearly, you know, they were able to scoop and score, but one of the players wasn't uh, really able to to grab the ball and make it to the end zone. But he's been all over the place from this year, and, and I expect if the defense gets something done, it's going to be through him. Yeah, I was going to – interesting to say that, cause the guy I was thinking of going right to was uh, was Nick Cross just because I, re- I remember when he was an, a recruit, he was a guy who Penn State and Maryland and Florida State, I believe – really battled it out over and like i i know it, 
I, I know Maryland always seems to have a couple of those really highly regarded four-star guys on their roster, and he's just a guy, uh, guy my brain, guy my brain went right to. No, Nick Cross has been great this year. I think he's the leading tackler on the team right now, and uh, he is just everywhere. It's it's really impressive how uh, he can make plays both in the secondary and I think he moved up for a sack this past week. Um, I would be, have no surprise if he was able to get on the end of one. I think that he hasn't been as heavily focused um, the past couple weeks again because I think people tried to thought they could take advantage of Tarheeb. Um, and, and some of the younger uh, defensive backs, especially when they're dealing with injuries to Jacorian and Kenny Bennett. But I, I would have no surprise believing that Nick Cross could have a big game. And when you look at this Maryland defense across all three levels, like is there an area where you would say, you know, it is a legitimate area of strength? I know their yardage numbers, um, points allowed numbers haven't been great. But again, there is some talent on this defense. Yeah, I think it's the interior defensive line for sure. It, it was a unit that started with uh, Ami Finau and Maziah Nasili Kite, who came in from last season as a pretty strong tandem. Um, Kite struggled with some injuries early, and they brought in Greg Rose to take on some of the slack. And um, since then, Rose has become a full-fledged starter. They've been—I uh, I wouldn't venture to say they've been locked down, but they've—they've they've been a really, really uh, big positive for a defense that hasn't had too many of them. So let's get into this game uh, a little bit. Uh, we like to play uh, a game of fill in the blank when uh, we have folks come on here. And I want to start by asking you, uh, with Maryland, Maryland wins this game if blank. I think Maryland wins this game if the offense is able to control the tempo, uh, specifically just kind of with the high-tempo offense that they're working with, uh, that they're planning to work with. If Talia gets the chance to just, you know, move his way down the field freely, which is what you saw a lot of against Indiana, uh, if if the Terps are able to just kind of stay on top the whole time and don't really feel the need to, uh, you know, take the gas off at any point, don't need to slow it down with the run game, I think that they'll have a really good shot. Uh, and then on to the other side of things, Penn State wins this game if blank. I think Penn State wins the game if they're able to cause turnovers. I think that was the big thing you saw in the Iowa game, which was, you know, something that I think will be probably Talia's worst, you know, career performance. And a big part of that was just that they were able to keep turning the ball over, have a short field, score quickly. I think that stopping Talia is, is the, the big uh, proponent and uh, getting a win over Maryland. Uh, so let's uh, let, let's get into predictions. Uh, ESPN's FPI is Penn State at about an 80% chance of winning this game. Penn State's an eight-point favorite. Uh, our pal Bill Connolly uh, ran the numbers with SP Plus and has Penn State winning 30 to 23. So Maryland would, in that situation, cover the spread. The under of 55 and a half would hit, uh, but Penn State would still come out on top. What are you thinking on this one, Jacob? Do you think? Uh, Penn State wins, think Maryland wins, close, uh, high scoring, not particularly high scoring, not particularly close. Where'd your brain go with this? Yeah, I mean, I've got to imagine it's going to be decently high scoring. And um, at the moment, I, I can't see Maryland quite pulling it out. But, you know, it's a home game. I think that uh, after last week, they, the team seemed to just be so happy to get back in the win column. I think I'd probably go something in the realm of 35-31. I think that Maryland will sneak in there with a touchdown towards the end to to make it look pretty close. Uh, and, and then, I, you know, I, just before we get out of here, I want to ask just what are your general thoughts on uh, 
this game from the perspective of at the beginning of the season, did you think Penn State would win? Uh, once Penn State kind of got rolling earlier this year, did you think it was going to be a blowout? Is a little more close? Like, where, what, what did you think about this game and how and how have the last couple of weeks informed uh, Maryland? I don't want to say Maryland's chances in it, but whether or not it's going to be high scoring, all those sorts of things. Yeah, I think part of it's been monitoring the health of Sean Clifford and 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 just how kind of potent the Penn State offense can be. I think, you know, everyone in Maryland pretty much knows that Penn State is going to, you know, try and play some pretty strong defense, uh, especially trying to avoid what happened last season. Um, but that being said, I, I think that both teams um, are just in a position where they need a win. You know, for Maryland, the road is not easy to getting their sixth win. And if they can knock it out now instead of having to potentially wait until uh, Rutgers in the final week of the season, I think they're going to do everything they can to get there. But you look at Penn State, Penn State desperately needing a win after, you know, a couple of uh, a couple straight losses. And, you know, I think I could very easily see, you know, kind of them almost taking their aggression out on a, a Maryland defense that has yeah. not been as strong. Interesting, because like I, I I've been of the belief, you know, kind of that I feel like. Penn State has had a really frustrating couple of weeks. And yeah, like there's that that's possible. And of course, you mentioned last year's game, but like, I don't know, man. I feel like if this get Maryland's path to winning this football game is all almost anti, uh, almost anti what Illinois did, I feel like if this gets into a shootout, if this gets into who can outscore who, like, I really. I don't know if I like Maryland's chances to win, but I like their chances to win a lot more than, you know, if they play ball control, we're going to slow things down, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's something that, you know, a, a big top, you know, big top 25, big top 10 win that Maryland's kind of been searching for these last couple of years. You think about Penn State um, two years ago, you think about uh, Iowa and Ohio State this year. Um, I think that they are much more suited to try and win uh, a shootout like that. Uh, than they would be trying to to kind of play the slow game. It's a little different when they're playing a team like Illinois, who mm -hmm. they you know definitely have more ability to make the bigger plays on. They have um, you know some better matchups physically with their uh, with their receivers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this one's just incredibly interesting and could could go a lot of different ways. To be honest. Yeah, same here, uh, Jacob, my man. Thank you for coming on. Let the people know where they could find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Jacob H. Richmond. And you can find all my stories on dbknews.com. Awesome. Well, Jacob, thank you once again for coming on. And thank you to all of you for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing wherever you go and get your podcasts and use Apple Podcasts. Please go and leave us a five-star review. Please keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to make sure you are going and buying some shirts and follow us on all of our various social media channels. Uh, hopefully, if Penn State wins this game, we will go live on Twitter after and talk about it a little bit and be in a good mood because then Penn State will uh, be bowl eligible and be able to you know, get back on track after a bad couple of weeks. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.